We're starting uh, the year with four sermons out of the Psalms, and the Psalms are a book of prayer songs. These are the prayers that were sung by Jewish uh, followers of God, by Christians. Jesus prayed these Psalms, and we're praying these Psalms. In fact, we're inviting our church to pray a Psalm a day as we begin the new year together. Um, Psalm 1 on January 1st and Psalm 2 on January 2nd. Today's the 8th of January, so we're praying Psalm 8 together today, and to encourage the the beginning of that habit for many of us, or the establishment of that kind of tradition for us, we are releasing a short reflection on a psalm, each psalm, each day, for the first 30 days of the year. Um, That's the next season of our podcast. It's called Emmaus Footnotes, and you can access it wherever you hear podcasts, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or those kinds of places. And um, and then also... um, where we're, uh, we'll talk more about this later, but there's a, a, a simple website that'll keep us on track in February when the days of the month no longer line up with the Psalms that we're, that we're trying to read, right? So um, what we're leaning in on here is the emotional transparency and honesty that's reflected in the Psalms. We're, talk, we're taking note of how we can find examples of nearly every human emotion reflected in the Psalms, and not just reflected, but brought before the Lord. And and typically what we think is that there are certain emotions we can bring to the Lord, and there are certain emotions we kind of have to hide from the Lord. And and that's just a false idea. That's just not a biblical concept. Because what we see in Scripture is whether they're kind of crashing into the walls or bleeding all over the place, they're bringing their genuine feelings, whether it's devotion or revenge, they're bringing those feelings to God. And, and we can learn from that. And so this, this series is called, Yes, You Can Pray That. And uh, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 84 today. This is the psalm that we read this morning. Melissa started and I continued it. Let me just make a few comments about this psalm, this prayer. Um, this is the challenge, friends. This is the challenge. This is a prayer written by the sons of Korah. You don't know them. <laughs> this was written uh, 3,000 years ago, right? This was a psalm written on the other side of the planet. It was written in a language that most of you probably can't even read, um, including myself. I have no idea. I don't even know what Hebrew sounds like, frankly. And my point is, this is written in another place. This is very different from us. This is inherently challenging. This is a prayer that came from the other side of the world at another time. But this is the invitation you might recognize the emotions in this psalm. You might be familiar with them, actually. Um, you may fa- find that you relate to the feelings being articulated by the writers of this psalm written on the other side of the world 3,000 years ago. You might even find that the wisdom declared by the writers of this psalm resonates with the wisdom you yourself have gained through your own life experience as you've walked in your life with God. So let's consider these few words together. There are three words in this psalm that tell a story. And I want to invite us this morning to consider the stories of our own lives in light of the story of this psalm. I want to invite us to consider our own lives through the lens of these three words. The first word is this word longing. And, and this, is a, this is a word that asks the question, what do you want? Like, what do you actually desire? These are longing questions. Melissa read the beginning of the psalm. 
How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Listen to verse two. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So the sons of Korah, the writers of this psalm, they're talking about God's temple, which is where is a physical place in Jerusalem where they believe the location of God's presence dwells on earth. And they almost sound jealous for the birds that make their nests in the eaves of that building because they can be there all the time. They can raise their young in the presence of God. They pray, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. So the question is, what would cause your heart and your soul to long for something with deep intensity? What is at the root of, of longing? What, what would move our hearts to cry out and move our flesh to cry out? This is just this image coming to me right now. I didn't think of this all week, but I remember seeing these old black and white videos of Beatles concerts, and these girls in the front row are just like nearly fainting, right? They're just crying out like this intensity, which is probably a silly, it's probably why I didn't write it, because that's not a very good example. But uh, <laughs> what, would, what would cause you to crave for something? What would cause you to yearn for something? We're not talking about personal preference here. We're not talking about would you like some, you know, oat milk. With, we're talking about great longing, yearning, body, soul. Longing often comes from lack. In other words, I, I might long for food if I haven't eaten for a couple of days. Uh, we long for rest because we're tired. We long for joy because we, we've been sad for a long time. Uh, we long for refreshment because it's been a long season and we are beat up and we are worn down and we need a vacation, right? We long for it. And it's because we haven't had it for a long time. I wonder, what do you long for today? Longing is often rooted in lack. Sometimes, though, longing is rooted in love. It's rooted in love. Like when you love something or you love someone and you just long for more. In fact, the words that are used here in Hebrew for my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God are passionate words. They are uncomfortably intimate words for most of us to consider within a spiritual context. There aren't stronger words in Hebrew, for the level of longing being experienced and articulated here by the sons of Korah for the presence of God. These are words of longing rooted in love. What are you longing for today? What are you longing for? What do you want? <clears throat> I believe with the great Christian tradition that if we could clear away the chaos, if we could, if we could um, you know, uncover the table of our lives, if we could create some space and actually see things <clears throat> as they are, we would recognize the truth that essentially, fundamentally, what we're all longing for 
<clears throat> excuse me, is the presence of God. We are longing for the loving presence of God, either because we are starving for him, because we haven't experienced any assurance of the presence of God for so long, we're just parched and starved, or because we have tasted of his goodness and we just want more of that. We know what that tastes like. We want to experience more of that. What are you longing for today? The first word of this psalm It taps into this human experience of longing. The writers are not confused about what it is that they are longing for. They are ultimately longing for the loving presence of God. The second word the psalm invites us to consider is this word pilgrimage. Consider the season of your life through the lens of pilgrimage. So the first question is, what are you longing for? What do you want? What do you desire? This second word, pilgrimage, invites us to ask the question, where are you going? Where are you headed? A pilgrimage is a journey. Traditionally, it's a spiritual journey. This is a pilgrimage psalm. This is literally a song that was sung by Jews as they walked, as they pilgrimaged towards Jerusalem. People who were intentionally engaging in a spiritual journey, a journey for spiritual purposes to the Holy Land, to the place of the temple of God. Why would they do that? Because they want to be with God. Why do they want to be? Because they're longing for God. Some of you have been on actual historic pilgrimages. Um, I've been on a couple. I was on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, the way of St. James, and and I did the pilgrimage of St. Benedict, the Camino de San Benedetto in Italy. And and one of the many powerful things about being on an actual traditional pilgrimage, there's all kinds of people from all kinds of places, and they're telling all kinds of stories. One of the, um, there's just so much variety, right? But everyone is headed in the same direction. It's really interesting. Everyone knows ultimately where they're going. So there's different speeds, there's different abilities, People are carrying different pain. They have different stories. They're coming from different places. There's all kinds of great questions you can ask people that you're walking along with on pilgrimage. But one of the questions, it's just totally, you don't ever ask this question is where are you going? Because everybody knows where you're going. Everybody's going to the same place. Everybody's headed in the same direction. The Camino de Santiago, the most traditional route, you walk west 500 miles that's more north. You walk west 500 miles. Normally, you get up in the morning early and you walk in the morning so the sun's rising on your back and so that your shadow's always in front of you. you just, everybody is walking in the same direction. If you ever encounter somebody who's coming the other direction, it is, it's strange. It, it's like, wait, what is that? What is going on? And the only like, logical conclusion is they left something at the albergue the night before. It's the only reason you're going to walk that way. Because everybody's going the same way. Everybody's walking the same way. Why? Because their hearts are set on pilgrimage. Their hearts are set on pilgrimage. The writers of the psalm say, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, which was this dry, arid, desert place, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength, till each appears before God in Zion. 
Now, I've never been to Jerusalem. I've only read about the Valley of Baca. I have no idea what it looks like today. It might be a bunch of condominiums for all I know. I have no idea. But here's the, here's the transferable principle. I do know what it's like to decide I'm going to go towards God. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to say I am heading towards God. I am pursuing God. I know what it's like to say I'm going to view my entire life as a pilgrimage. That is going to be the the metaphor for my whole life. My whole life is a spiritual journey with and toward God. That's how I understand my life. That's how I see the meaning of my life. This whole thing is just a journey towards God. I am longing for the presence of God, and I'm on a journey with and toward God. And because that's clear to me, friends, because that's decided, because that got established in baptism, Even when I pass through the valley of Baca, the the difficult time, the struggle time, the hard place, the painful losses, the deep disappointments, I carry a different perspective with me. And that is this. It's all part of the journey. That's the difference in the perspective. It's all part of the journey. It's all part of the pilgrimage. Sometimes I feel lonely. And sometimes I get lost for a while. When I was on the way of St. Benedict, I didn't see another pilgrim for three days. And that pilgrimage is like a single track. It's like a little dirt path through the woods. I didn't see another for three days. One time I got lost almost a whole day. One time I ran out of water for almost a whole afternoon, like to the degree that I got a little concerned. Sometimes you get lost. Sometimes the valleys are really dark really difficult places. But here's the testimony of the writers of this psalm, those who set their hearts on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. That's the language here. They go, those who set their hearts on pilgrimage go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. In other words, when our hearts are not set, when our hearts are undecided, when we are uncommitted, when our hearts are divided, that's when we go from strength to weakness, strength to weakness. It's a good day. Oh, it's a bad day. Things are great. Things are bad. We're groping around. We're wandering. There's no organizing narrative. There's no, there's no sense of like direction or purpose. But when our true longing is God, And when our hearts are set on pilgrimage, in other words, when we understand that our whole lives are a spiritual journey with and toward Jesus, towards the consummation of the kingdom of God, towards the restoration of all things, friends, even our valleys can be places of beauty and strength. Even our valleys can. And here's why, because it's not your own strength that is in play when you're in the valley. It is the strength of another. So we, we can go from strength to strength. This is what's being sung about. This is what's being testified. Um, St. Jerome, a uh, Christian theologian, he was born in 347. He's the first to translate the Bible into uh, Latin. He has a great sermon on Psalm 84. At one point, this is what he writes. This will be on the screen. <clears throat> Somebody may ask, Why in the valley of tears, in the place that God has set for the contest or for the conflict, why has he placed us as athletes? Why has he willed us to fight 
It's kind of strange language, but essentially Jerome is asking, why does God allow us to go through such hard experiences? Okay. Why does he put us right in the middle of conflict? And the metaphor that he uses is the metaphor of an athlete. So he might go like this. We might put it like this. Why are you putting me in the game at the end of the fourth quarter when we're down by like three touchdowns? Like this is a no-win situation. This is a brutal situation to be asked to exist or even come close to thriving. Why you put me? Why you put me into pitch with bases loaded and no outs? There's almost impossible chances to get out of this unscathed. I'm gonna get hit. I'm gonna take a hit. Right? This is gonna be hard. Jerome's asking. Why does he put us in the contest or the conflict as athletes? Why has he willed us to fight? He continues, God has willed that this place be set for us as an arena that he may reward our victory with a crown. God has willed us to compete only so that he may bless us. Just consider what the victory means. They go from strength to strength. What I hear Jerome saying here is not that God brings the pain and brings the suffering, but that he allows us to enter into actual, real struggle, at at least in part, so that we can know the goodness of God's strength in our time of weakness. However else will we learn that? He allows us to go through hard times so that we will know the experience of his faithfulness when we need it, when we're weak, not when we're strong and doing just fine. He allows us to go through this so that even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we can know, as King David says, you're with me. You're with me. In the worst it can get, you're with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I can be comforted in the worst days of my life by the presence of God. So that when we reach the end of our lives, friends, and we finally get broader, greater, more accurate perspective than we have right now, we can look back over our lives. We'll go, man, that was a great season. That was a lousy season. That was a blast. I had so much fun. And then that was terrible. That was horrible in that season. And, and, and we don't, that doesn't go away, but over the top of it all, is laid the good presence of God that was just constant the whole time. And we see that instead of like strength, weakness, even worse, weakness, a little bit better, we see strength to strength to strength to strength. Why? Because of the presence of God constantly with us throughout our lives. Now, because we know what we long for, and because we know where we're going, here's the final, here's the final word. It's trust. Can you see the story of your life through the lens of trust? Can you, can you take, that, take that for a second? Trust. That's the lens now. Put on the trust glasses here. We started with longing. What do you want? What do you actually desire? And then we considered the word pilgrimage. Where are you going? Finally, Trust. And trust is actually the answer to the question, how are you going to make it? How are you going to get there? And that, my friends, is a real-life question. Okay. 
That is a, you better seriously consider this question, question. How are you going to make it? How are you going to not quit? Because when you're, when you're in the valley of Baca, and you're looking around, and you don't see any springs popping up, <laughs> it can be pretty discouraging, right? And a lot of people get discouraged, and then they quit. How will you not quit? How will you make it through the valley? Okay. Here, here's a hint. It's not going to happen all by yourself. Okay. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You're going to need to hear the songs of those who have gone before you. Okay. You're going to need to hear the words that are being sung and prayed. You're going, to, you're going to need to listen really carefully, friends, to the testimony of the saints who have gone before us. When they sing words like this, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than live in the tents of the wicked. Okay, that's perspective. That's the, those are the songs we need to hear. How are you going to make it when you're so tired, when you're so discouraged, when you're so disappointed about the way things have worked out? When you have gotten so lost, frankly, you're confused. You don't know which way to go right now. It's not super clear to you. It all feels disorienting to you. How will you not quit? You got to listen to the songs of the saints. You got to listen to the words that they're singing and the words that they're praying over and over. You're hearing this it's worth it. Okay. It's worth it. Keep going. Don't you dare quit. The darkness will become light again, okay? The difficulty will, is not going to last forever. This pain will heal. Okay? Blind will see, amen? The lame will walk, okay? The dead will rise, okay? okay? This is what they're saying. These are the words we need to hear. One day, in the presence of God, it'll all be worth it. We're going to see things more clearly than we can see right now. Friends, listen to the songs of the saints. This song, Psalm 84, this song ends, listen to what they're singing at the end of this psalm. Remember, this is a pilgrimage song. What do they want? They want to be in the presence of God. Where are they going? They're going towards the temple of God. Okay. And now listen to what they say. Lord Almighty, Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. How are you going to not quit? Blessed is the one who trusts in you. I, I know these are, these are huge questions. These are big life questions. These are big boy, big girl questions. What do you want? Where are you going? And, and how are you going to make it? I'm not saying that they're not, I'm not saying that these are easy questions. I'm not saying these are trite. I'm not trying to make this like a cute three-point thing. I know these are big. I once spent a summer on the what do you want question. A summer. That's a, that's a hard question. But friends, what I am saying 
And I'm preaching to myself today as I do all the time. I'm preaching to us. Okay, what I am saying is that the story revealed in the Bible reveals the answers to these questions. What you're truly longing for is the loving presence of God. Okay. So you should commit your life to God. You should set your heart on pilgrimage. You should embrace your whole life as a spiritual journey with and toward God. And finally, you should trust God. Because this is how you're going to make it. You're going to trust in the almighty God. And you're going to be blessed. Because blessed are those who trust in God. Amen?